looks at their hand, either consciously or unconsciously, a minimum of a hundred times a day. The average person blinks their eyes a minimum of a thousand to several thousand times a day. What I want to talk with you today about is hands. And I want to talk with you this morning about something being there. God challenged his great servant Moses with a question. And today I think it's appropriate that you and I be challenged with that same question. I've been challenged with it in the times when I've wanted to beat myself up or in the times when I've wanted to complain to my Heavenly Father about all the injustice, not in the world, not in your life, in my life. There comes a time when we just, it's cut and dry, and it, it's not about her, it's not, it's how about me? Right. You know, and um, uh, we just complain, and we complain, and we complain. I think Pastor Rhonda and Pastor Hank know me well enough to know that when I'm given the opportunity, the minister, to speak, I'm just going to talk from my heart. I don't know any other way of doing it. If you expect me to be something else, this super Christian, this person that gives the persona that I never fail, I never think negative, I never argue with God or any of those things, then maybe she should come up and take the mic and just let me go ahead and slip off down here or slither off down here or ever how you want to see it and just sit down. Life is tough. Folks, we're going through a season right now that's really tough. It's really grinding. It's as though we're being crushed. But it's not strange to me, you know, as a matter of fact, it's been prophesied over this group of people, over us. It was prophesied through me, the word of the Lord over us, that we were in a, coming into a season when we were in the garden, but we were going to be called out to the desert. Well, folks, we've been called out to the desert. It's tough. I mean, all of us, it's tough. But you know something, just because we see things round about us, that are strange to us, round about us, that we might say, well, this is sure unfair. What did I do to deserve this? It's not about what we did or didn't do. It's about God's plan. It's about what God has planned for this group of people. So we've been called out. Moses was called out. In the book of Exodus, the fourth chapter, Verse 2, after all the arguings, after all the excuses, you ever been there? Yeah. Folks, Moses was God's man before this was spoken over him. I am God's man, you are God's man, you are God's woman before all of these things happened. Before we start arguing and saying, but what about this? They won't hear me. They won't listen to me. But what about this? And what about me? I can't speak very plain. You know, I had um, a few years ago, I had some surgeries in my mouth, about four or five of them. And um, from that surgery, they did some damage to nerves and different things. And my mouth gets real dry when I talk. For very long it gets real dry and I take a sip to loosen my tongue up to wet it up and I take another sip you know to loosen my tongue up and to wet it up and uh, to get going again I sit there I have this jug and I won't mention how large it is ladies hush but I have it sitting beside me and it's it's not a crutch it's just I want to I drink from it to loosen me. Well, Moses, I could use that as an, as an excuse. I said, well, God, I've had this mouth surgery, and I've got to have water, and I'll have to sip, and I get tongue-tied, and I get dry mouth, and, you know, don't use me. Use somebody else. We've all got excuses. Amen? I had a horrible morning this morning. If you just want to take this morning, I, I got up. My body was so sluggish. 
I sat in the chair and I kept trying to crank my motor and I kept trying to crank my motor and I tipped over a cup of coffee into my mouth and I kept trying to crank my motor and nothing would work. You know, and 9 o'clock comes and 9.30 comes and I'm still trying to crank my motor and I'm thinking, good Lord, give me a break, God. You know, I, I don't mind getting up there making a fool out of myself, but at least let me get there. Get me started. We've all got excuses. There's reasons why we're not qualified or in our minds we think we're not qualified. There's reasons why we look in our hands and we think, what is this? What's going on here? Moses, was a, he was just as much God's man before the fourth chapter of the book of Exodus came as any other time. You are God's woman you are God's man you are right where God wants you to be you say oh pastor you got to be kidding me you don't know what I've done you don't know what's been going on in my life the reason I'm right where I'm at is not because of God's plan it's because I had a plan and it failed and it blew up that's okay you're still right where God wants you to be In the second verse, after all the arguments, after all the, the um, uh, complaining, the challenging of our Heavenly Father, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he, said a he replied, a staff. What is that in your hand? I'm not going to go any further. I'm going to allude to the scriptures and different things here in this portion of scripture. But I want to ask you this morning, what is that in your hand? Think about it. Let it settle in your spirit for a moment. You look at your hands at least a hundred times a day, consciously or unconsciously. We just glance at our hands. Sometimes we study them and we look at them knowing this word was coming out of me for the last few days. And oh Lord, I wish I would have had time to really have given myself to study just for me. But almost every night this week, I didn't get in until 9 o'clock or later and time was precious. I guess it was, um, I guess it was last Sunday that Connie and I got a precious moment together. I took her to dinner, took her to a movie. We're sitting there watching the movie, enjoying each other's company. It's good to see you, Angel. You're not dead. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Somebody touch him and be sure it's him. It's not a ghost. We're sitting there. We're watching the movie. My phone rings. I've got it. Cut all the way down the vibrate is which a good thing when you're in a movies. I look at the number and it says Pastor Rhonda. And I think, wow, should I answer that? And I wasn't ignoring her, but it's just, I was not. But it's just so precious the times that I do get to spend with my wife. So I just turned it off and I leaned over to Connie and I said, that was Pastor Rhonda. Well, a few moments passed and Connie leans over to me and she says, she wants you to preach Sunday. And I thought, I didn't hear anything. I didn't, did, how do you know that? Of course, she had texted Miss Connie, and she said she wants you to preach Sunday. And I sat there, I'll be honest with you folks, I sat there, keeping view, Moses, where he's at. They won't listen to me. They won't hear me. There was a time, God, when, when I was in the palace, I could have been much more effective with delivering your people. But now, look at my life. I made decisions. I committed murders. Things happened, and I've blown it up. And now, look where I'm at. If you would have only chose me a few years ago, I was much more ready. 
I look at God and I think, God, there was a time when I was a loner. I was a giver. If you had chosen me then, and now I'm having to be a borrower, what good am I? When nothing fits, nothing comes together. There was a time in my life, folks, when I could go out and buy anything. I've only been in debt for one car in all of my life. Every other vehicle I've ever owned, I paid cash for. There were, I can relate to that. And you know, to have it and then to lose it and to look back on it, it's pretty heart-wrenching for me. I don't know about for you, but for me, it's pretty heart-wrenching to sit here and think, now, now I'm having to wait for a miracle? I was a miracle then. I was somebody else's miracle. And now I'm having to wait for somebody to be a miracle to me. But I saw it, and she said, she wants you to preach, son. And I just slumped down in the chair. Here I am. I'm sitting up all perky here with a good-looking woman, a good movie. My belly's full, having the time of my life. And the good-looking woman that I'm with leans over and says, Preach. I've already told them no. I don't know what else they want me to do. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've told them no enough that you would think that if they had any sense, they would be offended from it and just leave me alone. But when you're out in the desert and you're feeling real sorry for yourself, God hasn't forgotten you. You're not forgotten. You are remembered. And you'll get a call from Pastor Hank. You'll get a call from Pastor Rhonda. You'll get a call, and it's, it's not so much them, it's God saying, I remember, I see you. <laughs> oh, times of trouble come on all of us, folks. Times of trouble come on all of us, the rich and the poor, the just and the unjust. It rains on all of us. But guess what? If times of trouble should not be an indication of anything else, it should be an indication of this. In times of trouble, he thinks on me. In times of trouble, he is present. I am a very present help in times of trouble. We run from trouble, don't we? We avoid it at all cost. In its troubles, that's where he's at. Can we just make that connection? That's where he's at. After all the excuses, after all the reasons why I'm not the man anymore. Oh, if you'd chosen me a few years ago, I was right where I needed to be. I could have been much more effective then than I can be now. But now look at me, I'm hiding, I'm hiding out, hiding my identity. Here I am in the desert keeping sheep. I'm, I'm satisfied. This staff in my hand, I'm satisfied. I'm happy. Just leave me alone. Forget about me. A few years pass. Maybe he has. Suddenly there's a burning bush. Suddenly there's a voice. I want you this morning so bad to have a burning bush experience. I want you to see something, to know something, to hear something, even from this vessel. Then it'll wake us up, and we'll wander over, and we'll say, who is that? What is this? What's going on? And we will know that even though we're out here, even though we had so much more, and in the way of thinking in our minds, it would have been so much better to have done it then than now. But you know something, it's our best thinking that got us exactly where we are today. It is. It's our very best thinking. Sometimes I tell the ladies when they come up with this grandiose idea of what they should do and how that we should cooperate with what they should do, sometimes I even say, okay, cool, let's, let's give it a try. But for the most part, I'll sit and I'll say with them, on your best day, on your best day with your best thinking, 
all of that still got you right where you are today. Are you sure you want to trust your thinking? Are you sure that you want to deviate from the Word of God, from His plan? Are you sure of this? Are you sure? God's command to Moses was, what is it in your hand? Moses says, it's a staff. It's a stick. After all these years of living, after all these years of walking with God, after all these years of dwelling and living in the palace and rubbing shoulders with rich people and rich things and all of this, after all of these years, you come to me and this is all I have to offer you. I wish I had a staff that I could just hold it up and let you be able to see it. This is it. That's what's in my hand. This is it. Some of the ladies that I minister to will, will, will gather them things up, their, their things up and they'll have one little bag. Pastor, I'm 30 years old. I'm 35 years old. I'm 40 years old. I'm whatever. And this is it. This is my life's savings. This is it. This is all I have in the world. It'll fit in one little... There's not a couch. There's not chairs. There's not a car. There's not any of these things. And I'll look at that and I'll proclaim to them out of my heart, even though I'm battling with it myself. Do you know that the Word of God is true no matter what? Matt, do you know that the Word of God is true whether I believe it or not? The Word of God is true whether I'm battling to believe it or not. There's some places that I get in, Pastor that I have to say to God, God, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. There's a battle going on. I want to believe that you still got a plan for me. But this is it. This is it. And I will proclaim to them, that's enough. That's enough. That's all God needs. Oh, but we get into the place, and I'm trying to hurry along. We get into the place and we just want it to, to happen. Amen. We just want to get on with it. I received a phone call Friday night. And it was yet more bad news. <laughs> it's been a rough week. I received a phone call and the guy on the other end said, you know that car that was wrecked? Doesn't have any insurance on it. The car that wrecked yours, the lady doesn't have any insurance on her. And here I sit with just liability and I'm thinking, wow, cool. This is great. I get a call Friday night and just some more bad news and I'm sitting there in my chair and I look over at Connie and there's a positive end to this, I promise you. I look over at Connie, and I say, you know, when is enough enough? I said, I feel like God, one little grain of sand at a time, is trying to build a boulder to crush me. I feel like the, the enemy, one little grain, I don't know whether it's my heavenly father or it's the enemy. I don't know what's going on at this point. To be honest with you, I'm, a, I'm in a state of confusion, so to speak. I can't see exactly clear. The only thing I can see clear is the statement that I made to her. I don't know who it is. I don't know what's going on. But I wish they would just get on with it. Because if it's a ploy, if it's a plan to turn me away from my heavenly father, and this is what I said to her, I still love him. He is my all and my all. I will not. I will not. I will not turn from him. And I will not. One grain of sand at a time to build a boulder, then let it be. But I just wish he would get on with it. If it's a crushing that has to happen. You think, wow. This is so strange. I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. I've done everything that I am supposed to do. I don't deserve this. Thank you. 
I don't deserve this. It's so strange. I deserve, I, I followed the, what pastors told me to do. I gave, I'm giving my tithe, I'm doing everything that I'm instructed to do. Why this? Why this now? It's so strange. And then I recall, and then I remember what Peter said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials. Oh, folks, listen to me. You and I are getting prepared for something much bigger than just raising our kids. You and I are being prepared for something so much bigger than just what it is we're currently doing in our lives. God has a call. He's picked us out. And after all the sifting, after everything is done, even right in this local church, even right where we sit right now, those that will remain are those that will receive the blessings of God. I believe that with everything within me. Yeah. Folks, it's not time to cower down. It's not time to consider giving up. It isn't. Look at what's in our hand. He said, this is it. This is it. This is, this, this is my life savings. This is all I have to offer. And God said, throw it on the ground. Release it. Let it go. No matter what you think about it, no matter how much hurt there is in this, no matter how much pain, no matter how much going from having much to having little, and this represents it. This represents a murder. This represents a place where I used to dwell in comfort, where I used to look out the windows and over the walls at the people working and slaving. This represents this. And God said, throw it down. Throw it down. Release it. Let it go. Are you strong enough? Do you have enough courage this morning to release it, to let it go? No matter how painful it is, no matter what's going on, do you possibly have it within you to release it and to let it go? A man takes his family, wife and kids, he takes them on a vacation. And they find themselves at the Grand Canyon. He loves to take pictures. He tells his family, I'm going to get up real early in the morning and see the sun come up over the Grand Canyon and I'm going to be taking pictures. Anybody want to go? No. It's vacation. We're just going to lay here. Find me by the pool, whatever. So he gets up early, makes his way to the Grand Canyon. Just as the sun is starting to come up, it just, it's so moving. The scenery, everything, the sunbeams beating over and all of this just so moving he's snapping one shot after the other and as he is he's getting a little closer a little closer to the edge and a little closer and suddenly he finds himself falling off and falling down and he grabs hold of a root that's sticking out of the ground and he's hanging there as he's holding on and he's crying out anybody up there anybody up there and he hears this voice. I'm here. Does that sound like God? That's my God voice. I'm here. Where's Hollywood when we need him? Amen. And he says, oh, oh, thank God. Thank God somebody's up there. I'm John. My name's John, and I've, I got too close to the edge, and I've fallen over, and I'm hanging on by a root. I need help. Can you help me? Please help me. Go for help. Do anything. Just help me. And the voice says, let go. Let go? No, 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 you don't understand. I don't have any footing. I can't let go. No, if I let go, I'm going to fall. It'll kill me. You, do you know how far down it is? I'm going to fall if I let go. Is there any other way? Please help me. Throw me a rope down. Give me something I can hold on to. Let go. Oh, no, 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 no. 
you don't know no you don't understand let go let go is not the answer letting go couldn't be the answer this is all that I've got this this is it don't take everything don't leave me with nothing let go <laughs> he pauses for a moment And he looks up and he says, Is anybody else up there? That's you and I. That's what we. Is there anybody? This can't be the answer. This can't be. Is there anybody else up there? Folks, I know what it's like. I know what Moses was feeling like when we had plenty and now suddenly we find ourselves with little or nothing. I'm going to give you a biblical principle on just that here in just a moment. Do you know, I'm about to give you some wisdom that's going to blow your socks off. You're about to discover just how wonderfully wise I am. Do you know <laughs> Do you know who miracles come to? Think about it for a moment. Those people who receive miracles, do you know who miracles come to? You might think, oh, it's men of great faith, the Billy Burks and the different ones that just can believe not only for themselves but for others too. That's just wonderful. That's great. That's marvelous. That's where it comes from. Desperate. It's a good answer. Here it is. Here's the wisdom. Miracles come to those who need miracles. Go ahead. Let it soak in. Give the Lord a hand. It's that... Pat me on the back. Go ahead, brother. You can pat me on the back. Tell me how wonderful I am. Miracles come to those who need miracles. I don't know where you and I are going to have to go till we understand and realize that there's no way out of this barring a miracle. I need a miracle. In the book of Matthew, there is a woman with an issue of blood. I'm sorry, in the book of Mark. It is in Matthew also, but I chose the book of Mark. It comes with a lot more detail, and I love detail. I'm not going to really read from it. It's in the fifth chapter. But here is a woman who obviously is a woman of some substance earlier in her life, that sort of thing, but she became sick with an issue of blood. The Bible declares and proclaims that this woman spent all that she had to relieve herself of this burden, to get rid of this sickness. She relieved herself of all of her money so that she might live and not die. Went to this doctor and that doctor and this advice and that advice and this homespun remedy and that homespun remedy and all of these things. And after everything is said and done, we look at her and she's not any better. As a matter of fact, she's worse. And the point I'm trying to make, what I want you to see is in this woman's life is she had money, but in order to get into the place, miracles come to those who need miracles. She had to be relieved of all of that, stripped down all of these things, and come to the place that she had to get on her hands and knees, crawl through the press, crawl through the, the uh, crowd in order to reach and grab hold of just a hem of garment, just the hem. What's in your hand? I guarantee you this morning that if what's in your hand is the hem of his garment, it's better than anything else that could be in your hand. You're all right this morning if that's where you're at. But it takes some stripping. It takes some 
tearing down. It takes, folks, I'm at a place in my life, Connie and I are at a place in our lives that we don't really have anybody else to turn to but God. If we're going to see our way out of this, it's going to be him and no one else. It's going to be God. I have schemed. I have put together plans. Uh, you know, I've, I've, Josh and I have sat and talked about how to grow another business or make more money or do this or do that or do the other. And now he's in North Dakota and I'm down here and everything's going on and everything seems to be falling apart. And I've schemed myself silly. I don't know any other ideas that I can come up with to come out of this. So the only place I have to go now is God, my heavenly Father. You know, it's amazing. I hear people all the time, boy, if I could win the lottery. Man, would I bless my church. Oh, my, 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 my. Man, would I do it. There's a movie, I've never seen it, I just read about it recently in a devotion or something. It's called Millions. And it's about two brothers, two young brothers, finding a sack of money. And one of the young brothers wanting to give it to the poor and wanting to help people, the other one wanting to use the money for his own gain, for buying things, for looking rich, for prestige and all of these things and going to nice places and everybody stopping as he passes by to look at him. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever remember the movie um, Deliverance? Do you remember... Ned Beatty, I believe his name was. I was way young when that thing came out. But we went on a missions trip to Jamaica. And it, lo and behold, he happened to be in the airport. And everybody was just looking and staring and all of that. And <laughs> I laugh all of the time. But I never laugh and snort at the same time. Never. Never. And if you remember the movie and you know about the snorting part, you will know what I'm talking about. And I get close to him, and somebody says something funny, and I'm laughing so hard that I start snorting. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I can't believe this. Everybody's stopping and looking at him, well, suddenly everybody's stopping and looking at me like, are you stupid? Have you lost your mind? And I don't have a clue why I threw that in. I'm not exactly sure what point I was trying to make. Deliverance, stopping and seeing, stopping and noticing, stopping, making your way, grabbing a, I'm just, I'm working on it, folks. I'm trying to get back there. Just be patient with me here for a minute. If I sound like I'm lost, if I look, well, I am. But I guarantee you we're going to punch enough till I can find my way back where I was. Or maybe I should just let it go and... She had everything. Yes, that's what... Thank you. That's what I, well, the point I was trying to make. Seeing everybody, he wanted to be rich. Wanted to fit in all of that. But you know something... To those who were true givers, they were givers ever before they found the bag of money. They were givers and those, they were blessers. They were loners and not borrowers. Ever before they found a bag of money. And oh, what it would say about Pastor David Herring if suddenly when I had money, I was a giver, but now when I didn't have money, I clenched my fist and said, I'm not going to let go of it. I'm not going to let go of it. You can't have it. What an indictment that would be on me. I'm a giver if I have much, and I should be a giver when I have none. I should be a giver through all of it. Folks, I want to be a loner and not a borrower. A father gave his son 50 cents. And he said, son, you can spend it on anything you want to. Just be wise with it. All right, dad. 
few days passed, the dad checked back with him and said, son, what'd you do with the 50 cents? He said, well, we were in town and I saw this poor man on the street and he looked hungry. So I loaned him 50 cents. And the dad said, oh, son, that was foolish. He said, you know, he's not going to pay you back. You loaned him 50 cents. You're not going to get that money back from him. I work in Atlanta a lot. I have people come up to my window, stop me on the street all of the time. Poor people, homeless people. I almost never fail to bless them with a piece of money. If I have it, it has to be a real strange situation, a real strange spirit that hits me that I won't bless them. I don't have to see God. I don't have to see Jesus in the image of light and say, give my son. He needs money. I got a piece of money. I want to loan it to him. I have discovered and decided in my life, Pastor Rhonda, that I'm going to be a loaner and not a borrower. I'm going to make loans and I'm not making them to you. You tend to disappoint me, you, and I'm not pointing out anybody here. I'm not even pointing out anybody in this building. I'm pointing out people in the world in general. You tend to disappoint me. You tend to not pay it back. Anybody ever loaned some money, really loaned them, and didn't get it paid back? Hallelujah, I'm not the only one. Well, if you went into it with the right attitude, if we can change our thinking and be a loner to God... You say be a loner to God. God owns everything. He owns all the hills, the cattle, all the taters. Uh, he owns everything. Why do I have to loan God anything? God wants to borrow from me. Can you believe, if you knew my banking situation, you'd think, wow, has he gone crazy? <laughs> God has put in an application, and I am reviewing it. As I sit there in my seat and somebody's standing outside the window and he's saying, please, sir, can you help me? And I'm looking over God's application and it's saying, loan me this much. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, should I approve this? What collateral does he have? Oh, should I approve this? Has he ever failed me? Has he ever failed to pay his bill? Oh, should I approve this? Has he ever failed to pay the loan back? Well, the dad says, you're foolish, son. You, you, you won't get your money back. And the son said, oh, dad. The word of God says, in Proverbs, the 19th chapter, the 17th verse, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he is given. I'm going to loan to the Lord. I've stopped loaning to people. I'm going to loan to the Lord, and he is faithful and just and real, and he will pay back. So when I'm sitting there looking over God's application, and it's saying to me, I've come to you for a loan. Will you loan me the money? And I look out the window, and I think, wow, you sure look strange today, God. God, you need a shave. And man, you know, don't get too close, please, to smell God. You're looking awfully different today, Father. And I reach into my pocket and I say, yes, I will make that loan. Here you go. But before you take it, I want to tell you about Jesus. That's the condition. Anybody I meet in Atlanta, anybody that I'm giving a piece of money to, I want them to know who I am and who I've met. I want to talk to them about him. I'll give them the warning. I'll even say to them, the Lord watch between you and me, that you don't spend this on drink, that you don't spend this foolishly, but you spend it wisely, that you know it comes from God. After I get through with them, they feel like they, I'm ready to take up an offering and they need to give. That's the conditions. I want to make you alone. Folks, we had plenty. You say, oh, but pastor, you don't know what I'm faced with. You have no idea what I'm faced with today. You ought to see my situation. It's nine feet tall, ten feet wide. 
I forget what that song is. It brings some kind of song to me. Well, guess what? I got a principle for that too. You know, as long as we can walk in the biblical principles of God's word, we're all right. Nothing can harm us. Nothing's going to destroy us as long as we walk in the principles of God's word. When something comes in my life, when something happens, I immediately either physically go to God's word, turning pages, or I go through my mind thinking of where's the principle? How's, how am I going to make this work? Where's God's principle? I, if I walk in his word, it's going to be okay. Well, in his word, it was nine feet tall. And this little ruddy, handsome young boy, as he is called in this passage of Scripture, and it's found in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. I want you to know where they're at in case you want to read it for encouragement. And he's facing this giant of a man who's defiled his God. You know when you have real faith... I mean, truly, do you know when we, you and I have real faith, we will run and not walk. And this passage of Scripture says, as Goliath, the nine-foot giant of a problem that was in the, the, a, a thorn in the side of Israel's side, as he was approaching, David was running. He was running with what? With a spear, with a sword, with every, no, no, five stones. In this message, this passage of Scripture has been broken down so many ways by some great men of God, and it's wonderful and it's glorious. You know, the five stones representing this, that, and the other thing, and I don't take away from that. It's great and it's wonderful. But you know something? When you strip everything away, it's still just five stones. And it can mean a lot to you and I, and if we preach it that way, certainly. But to David that day... It wasn't grace. It wasn't mercy. It wasn't any of the, It was five stones. And in your life, I don't know what you're faced with, and I don't know who you're going to embrace after this message today, but in your purse, it's still going to be five stones. You're going to have to turn them over to God and see what he does. I can't sneak behind you. And change what's there. It, when this message is over with, angels still going to have five stones. <laughs> and he's going to have to release what he has. This morning's message isn't going to change what you've got. It's not going to even change where you're at. If you came in here, looking at your difficulties through the hand of nothing, then guess what? The glass is always going to be half empty. But if you came in here looking at your difficulties and what you're going through and look at that that's in your hand and know that God can use even a little grain, even a little staff, then you're going to walk out of here a changed woman and a changed man. And it's more than just perspective. It's so much more than just positive thinking. It's so much more than just faith. It really is. It's what he says. It's what he's proclaimed. Now the challenge for you and I this morning, and I do have to hurry no matter what y'all say. My Lord, Denny's is going to fill up any minute. Those dad burn Baptist, God help us, Jesus. They're already getting out. One more passage of scripture, and I'm going to try and stop. <laughs> In 1 Kings, again, chapter 17, you will see Elijah. He's at a brook. He's being fed by ravens. He's trusting God. The brook dries up. 
You ever had something drop in your life and you thought, wow, that ain't cool. I said, you know, you told me to come out here and I've sacrificed everything and left and I'm being fed by a bunch of, bunch of nasty birds and now the brook's dried up. Mm, that's not cool. I might can do without whatever it is they bring, but water I have to have. The brook's dried up. All right, then get up and I want to take you somewhere else. This morning is your get up morning. Get up. I want to take you somewhere else. It's dried up. You can't see anything. There's no water. Get up. I want to take you somewhere else. And he takes him, and he's sitting, and he sees this woman, and she's gathering up a few sticks, and he says to her, Woman, bring me a glass of water. And I want you to get a clear picture of her, a real quick, clear picture of her. She's come out of her house with the attitude, this is it, the end is near. I've got just enough meal in the barrel, just enough oil in the crude to make a little cake. And my son and me, we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. She's come out of the house with that attitude. But the amazing, the wonderful thing is the Word of God proclaims that God spoke to Elijah and said, I have commanded a widow woman to feed you and take care of you. I've commanded her even before he got there, even before he asked her for a glass of water. I'm very sure that this woman didn't hear a clear, audible voice from God saying, there's going to be a man. But God's commanded things in your life and in mine that maybe only the enemy could have heard it. And you and I aren't clear on it. The only thing that we're clear on is it's not time to turn back. I've come too far. I've got to go. I've got to see this out. And he says to her, and instead of saying to him, look, buddy, <laughs> we're about to die anyway, so why don't you just get your own glass of water? You know how things can make us bitter and sour? Life can. How things turn out, it just makes us bitter. And when somebody asks us for something, we think, give me a break. I ain't going to give you anything. Give me. A... Do you know that the Bible warns us? It sends out a warning to us. Guard against. Watch out for that little root. That little root of bitterness that will grow into a huge and great vine. I've seen people. I've sat with people. Pastor, you and I have sat with people that are bitter, that are resentful, that are hate, full of hate because they allowed a little bit, a little root of bitterness to grow into them. Put your hand on your chest near your heart. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? It's trying to find a place. In your current situation, it's a little root of bitterness that's trying to find good soil to grow in. It's always present. It's always there. Sometimes we put it in its place. Other times it's crawling around looking for a place that doesn't have faith, looking for a place that you're ripe and ready for bitterness, and it'll plant its little self, and it'll start growing, and it'll start growing. She could have been like that and said, Give me a break, buddy. Go on. I'm about to die. I'm going to cook me and my son a little cake. But she got his water, and he said, Oh, by the way, why don't you cook me a little cake first? Oh, wow. Look, I've only got enough for me and my son. I can't share. Only got enough for me and my son. You, are you in the place? Have you ever been in the place that you look at your bank account and you say, I've only got enough for my light bill? I can't worry about the church's light bill. You knew I was going to get to these places. Because these are real places. These are places where people are hurting, where people have needs. Bake me a little cake first. And this is what the Lord says. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day, every day 
from fixing my last meal, Pastor, to every day. That's all I want is an everyday experience with God. I just want him to sustain me, Pastor Hank, every day. That's all I want. I don't have to be where I was before. Lord, I wasted it anyway. I was so busy getting it and accumulating it and planning where it should go and everything else that I, portions of my life was godless anyway. Every day there'll be food for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken through to Elijah. I am telling you, I'm not this great prophet. Although I'll have my assistant out in the vest of you handing out cards for the wisdom that I gave you just a little while ago. You call this number, punch in this code, and for a nom nominal amount of money, you will receive your nugget of wisdom for that day. <laughs> the only thing that I know, the only thing that I know, the only thing that I know is what he speaks. It's true. When he says to you, when he says to you, you're not going to die, you're going to live. You're not going to die, you're going to live. When he says that to you, and he says it in his word, you can take it. I don't got a clue who she is. Pastor Rhonda said, Pastor David will talk about her. I don't know what to say. I've never met her. The one thing I do know is she's living in a home right now that'll feed her the Word of God. There's ministers coming into that home right now that love her and that if she'll hear what thus saith the Lord is, she'll come out of there a much better person than when she went in. Give God a hand. Come on. Praise the Lord. Miss Connie, I would like for you to come and play something for me.